one thing I do know personally, and I just think through observation is humans don't do particularly well by themselves all the time. And community is of high value. Even if it's three days a week, even if it's whatever, you just have to give people a reason to come together. Welcome to the My Future Business Show, where we get you in front of your best audience and keep you there. Not only are we interviewing the biggest names in business to help you become even more successful, we're inviting you to book your spot on the show to help you grow your business. So at the end of the call, make sure you fill in the interview application form at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. Hello and welcome back to the My Future Business Show. This is the show that gets you in front of your best audience and keeps you there. If this is uh, your first time, you're in for a treat. And if you've been supporting the show for any length of time, thank you very much for that. Now, on today's show, I have the pleasure of welcoming, welcoming author, founder and CEO at Working, Mr. Mike Franson. Welcome to the show, Mike. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Uh, absolute pleasure to have you here. And we're going to be talking about the future of work, how the office sector has changed forever, and how your business working helps effectively manage all aspects of assets and property management. So there's a lot to unpack here. Now, I'm wondering if we can just start off by finding out a little bit about you. This is customary for us to spend that bit of time. Um, so where are you calling in from today? I am calling in from uh, Northwest Houston. So here in Houston is where we call home. Been here about uh, a little over 16 years. Tell us a little bit about the place. What's a landmark? What do you love about living there? You know, I think it, it's, uh, it sounds cliche, but I'd say for us, it's the people. I, I did not grow up here. I am what they call a Texan by marriage. Um, ah. and, and so <laughs> I actually grew up on the West Coast, so I grew up in uh, Oregon and uh, bounced around, went to school in New York, um, was in the Army for five years, went back to school in the Northeast, and we're in Texas. So I was gonna, people, people are what keep us here. I was going to ask you about your time in the Army because I always think about uh, what it takes to um, be disciplined enough to make that decision, yet let alone go through it. What was it like? It, you know, it's it's... If, if I'm being honest, and I think a lot of people probably share the sentiment, the further I'm away from it, the more I appreciate what it what it represented for uh, my growth, for, yeah. for what I was. And, you know, in some ways, it's it's probably good for all of us that at 18, you don't quite know as much as you think you do, and you just jump headfirst <laughs> into these things. So I, I, I was certainly in that boat. I, I was a kid from a small town in Oregon, very modest upbringing, terrific parents, and um, going to the you know, West Point, the United States Military Academy represented a, a real opportunity. And I never, you know, as much as I may not have liked the day-to-day, -day, mm -hmm. I never lost sight of what that represented for me. And, and it's never disappointed in that way. I always think about mindset and discipline. Would they, would they be fair things, fair values to consider when you're in a situation like that? No question. And I think a lot of what, you know, we're, we're going to talk about today, I, I use, you know, the word that's popular today, which I, I like a lot, but it is grit, you know, grit, and, yes. And, and I think we all want it. Uh, probably all think we need more of it. But grit is, is a word that jumps to mind is, is what the military really helps shape because you, you, you got to have a fair amount of it to get through <laughs> some days. Well, what's the minimum term there? Is it three years? Uh, so four, four years of school four and then uh, five years of a commitment to the Army after you finished that. Fantastic. So what happened on the very, very last day? What did you do with yourself? Like a fish out of water? 
Yeah, well, you know, I think that's a joke, and it's half-joking that that's part of the reason I went back to business school when I got out of the Army is, you know, it bought me two more years to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up. <laughs> uh, so I got to kind of cheat a little bit and, and go back to the school environment and uh, and, and work hard, but uh, it provided a, a bit of a safety net or a, a transition point, if you will, for getting out in the quote-unquote real world. Well, tell us a little bit about your educational background and, uh, you know, what you've gone ahead and done. Sure. So I, I did, went to West Point. I was actually, in, in my five years in the Army, I was in finance, mm -hmm. um, which, it, you know, people may think it's a little bit like military intelligence and oxymoron, but it's 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 real. It's out there. It's, it's a thing. <laughs> um, and so knew I wanted to serve my time and get out um, and find, you know, actually the things I did in the military were um, not, not, I wouldn't call them business oriented, but certainly relevant and wanted to get into something where I could have what I'll call P and L responsibility quite quickly in the corporate setting. Mm -hmm. um, I knew whatever I was going to do was going to be brand new. Like a lot of things, I think for a lot of us didn't know what direction that was going to be ran into a friend uh, who was in real estate, did not take any real estate classes in business school. I went to business school at Yale um, and great experience. It, yep. it was really a, a great people, a great two years. And, and so from when I graduated in 06 to when I, I left Parkway, the company I was with in 2019 and, and a lot of what we'll talk about this after that, but mm. I was just learning the, the commercial real estate sector of office um and and so that that was and i learned it from the ground up uh, i went i went to a company where the ceo didn't mind giving PL responsibility he loved and, and really sought leadership experience and valued that but he wanted you to be willing to kind of roll your sleeves up and get into it get into it mm. and and that's what i did learned it from the ground up and you know it's as i joke with some people it's one thing to study mergers and acquisitions it's another to live them and so i gotta <laughs> yeah. live through a few a few of those during my time there <laughs> i i wonder throughout all of this i i often talk about uh, exposure to risk both pers personally and professionally and you know taking chances um and and being willing to fail what have you learned from failure do you think you know, I, I would say there's two parts to that. I, I think there's this, the, the, the risk and the failure I learned in a corporate setting, which I would say is a different brand of it. I don't mm -hmm. think, at least for me, it was so personal. I, you know, I, I'd like to think I treated everybody else's money like it was my own, but it, at the end of the day, it really wasn't. Um, and, and then there's a whole nother element of that which is when i left in 2019 with no safety nets personally and said i'm going to go study the future of work and it, it led to working um that you know that's a i think during this era i have learned a whole nother level of appreciation for entrepreneurs and and just what it takes and and you know i've heard no more than the last three years and i think i heard my whole life <laughs> um i <laughs> And, and, you know, there's a lot on the line. There's a lot at stake. And, and so I, I don't know if that's a good answer. But no, I, absolutely. Those, those are the two buckets I've, because I really thought I was being calculated and I was, you know, taking on risk when I was with Parkway and we were. Yep. But there was, it was kind of a, a group of us and I was not personally on the hook for it. And it, and I took it very seriously and I, I lost a lot of sleep over it, but it just, it, it, it is ended what it up. Is. 
it is very different than when you're on your own and, and there is no safety. <laughs> well, look, there's a lot of people on this call today. They're either startup entrepreneurs or struggling small to medium-sized business owners who are looking to people like you who have um, essentially walked the path before them. Now, um, part of that is to understand is it important to you know look after yourself and maybe what a daily routine might look like for you? Would you be willing to share that? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, you know, I think it's, it's ebbed and it's flowed. And, you know, part of this, this story and my story, one, it's a, it's a work in progress, which probably everybody says, but it truly is. I, yeah. I, you know, and part of what happened in this season for me was doing a personal reset. And I think that discipline that was such a saving grace for me. So for so long, actually probably started to work against me a little bit because yeah you know, to achieve and, and to do all the things LinkedIn said I needed to do to keep my career going in the direction I needed to go. You know, I, I had woken up one day around 2018 or 19. I had two daughters who were getting close to middle school. And that routine that you alluded to had me getting up at 3.15 in the morning. Wow. So I could be working out and work by five so I could make it home by dinner. But as you know, you can already sense the version of me that my family got at six was not a very good version. Uh, I can imagine. And, and so <laughs> it's funny, Rick, you know, I routine now it's, it's at six. And in some ways the army part of me thinks it's just a complete violation of everything I know to get up at six, but it, you know, now involves getting the girls, helping them get to school and the car rides and the conversation. That, and that's part of the reason I wrote, the book and yes, this, this moment, yep. the, the legacy business is I just needed it for myself as a bit of a rallying cry because I think, and I'm a work in progress. Like I said, I, we could talk in a year and talk about, well, working was a good idea, but it never, never actually succeeded. Mm. But I, I had to, I've had to come to terms with, I would rather have attempted and have failed than have been where I was in the corporate setting dying a little bit every day making good money yeah that's that's really sage advice thank you very much for opening up because you know one thing i know that from a business perspective fundamentally things don't change too much but what does change is people's journey the leaders behind those businesses and that's why i think the my future business show is so different because we take a bit of time to look at that now somewhere along the line i got this impression um that i needed to ask you this um this question what makes life worthwhile for you do you think now, given what you know and your family and your daughters and at the end of the day, I, you know, what would it, what would it be? I, I think it's establishing and everybody's got to do it for themselves, but establishing a, a set of priorities that become non-negotiables. Yep. And, and so for me, it's always going to be a, you know, faith and a belief in God at the top. And then it's going to be family and really close friends. And then, you know, somewhere beyond that, comes work which you know initially especially with a type a personality you think oh i can't be i can't i can't do it all and mm -hmm. and and do it all as well as i want to but the truth is for me when i got those out of order i i ended up not being very good at work anyway even even if i put it ahead of everything else and and so yeah. i that continues to be even even as recent as yesterday i ran into somebody i hadn't seen in quite a while and done a lot of deals with them and um, he, you know, we were having this exchange and, and the, the notion that work never loves you back. Right. I mean, it, it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's um, 
Yeah, and so I think for me, because I will always, and, and, and I don't, I'm not walking away from some of the really true core values that I, I've always placed in high regard. I mean, even yeah, in, yeah. in the book, I have a chapter called Hard Work, and I have a chapter called Excellence, because this is not an excuse to not do well in work. It's for me, it's become, and that schedule that you alluded to is, I need to get more out of every minute. I, I can't stretch this task out for 20 if I could do it in 10 because I have something to do with those other 10 minutes now. Yeah, absolutely. I, I wonder, it seems to me that you've had to learn to detune and decompress occasionally. What do you do with uh, either on your own or with your family to relax? What do you like doing? Look, we love anything out, outdoors. We just uh, returned from a, a trip to... Colorado, which is for me in the summer, I'm, I'm less of a winter Colorado person, I'm more <laughs> of a summer Colorado yep. suit. I, anything, I've always been active. I find, you know, exercise and, and, and especially as our daughters have gotten older, I, I've noticed as we've gone to Colorado, it's been easier and easier to do bike rides because we can all keep up with each other. Now, now I'm worried, I'm going to get behind. No, <laughs> Look out, here they come. <laughs> That's right. But in those, you know, I think in those moments, Rick, what I used to probably assume is I compartmentalize and I say, well, we could, you know, we could talk and then we'll get done with that. And then we can go do a bike ride or, or run. But the truth is those two can happen simultaneously, you know, with, with, in our case, family is, yeah, is yeah. some of the most meaningful conversations happen on a bike ride. They happen Absolutely. on a walk, they happen on an activity. Um, and so really in the last couple of years, tried to, embrace that and, and focus on on making moments count and and not rushing through one to get to another and, and being in the moment itself that's fantastic feedback thanks again for sharing you know life is not a dress rehearsal is it now i wonder as a leader um, not only in business but as a father what do you think your girls are learning from you what are they saying boy they you know i, I I should have known better because I, you know, I got done with the West Point experience and, you know, told people I, I in some ways you learn more about leadership from how, how not to do it than you do from how to do it in some, <laughs> yes. some ways. So to, to assume that's not happening at, at, at the house, you know, is probably not being honest with myself. But I, I, you know, I hope there's a mixed bag of the actual verbal, the communication, um, and then obviously the modeling it. And then, you know, honestly, Rick, it's what I've, I've learned over time is just owning the fact that it's not always going to be perfect and being willing to, just like I would at work, I don't know why it's hard to do it at home sometimes, say, yeah, hey, look, Dad messed up. Yep. I yep. didn't respond as well as I should have. I didn't. Could have, yes. And here, I know we talked to you about it, so it's only fair that you and I, you know, I'd come clean with you and together we're going to get better um yeah. in this way and, and so that's that's been for me uh a positive you know it doesn't seem like i'd rather be do it all right but the truth is none of us do none of us and, do and how no. am i going to deal with that you know what I, I i see a man who lives his truth would you agree with that do you think you're comfortable in your truth i you know the, i i sure hope so i the word that means a lot to me when i see people and i certainly want to be somebody that somebody can say about me is authentic right authentic, is and that yeah. was the thing about what I my biggest fear and kind of laying it out there in the book like I wrote is to have somebody read it and go, wow, I'm shocked, Mike. That's nothing like I like you, like <laughs> you I know at all. A disconnect. Yeah, a disconnect. And and so that that's been really important. It's not 
perfect, but it's authentic because I think in today's world, or I, I think I know, we're, we're all dying for authentic. We, we, we know all the other things that are out there, and most of them not terribly positive. There's lots of rubbish around. The authentic people, boy, those are valuable ones. They, mm. they are for me, and, mm -hmm. and I certainly want to be that for others. I'm absolutely loving this call now. I'd love to uh, switch gears, if you might. Um, back in 2014, you were part of uh, putting in the first WeWork in Texas. Uh, I'd love to talk about that experience, and uh, as a result, what happened after that? It, the, the, the two word answer is game changer. Um, and, and I'll expand from there is yep. it, it was birthed. We had bought a company out of LA Thomas properties that included five assets, five high rises in downtown Austin, which for me was a dream. I mean, I, my wife and I met in Austin. I loved Austin and, and Kaylee rig. It, it was not what we think of it today. Today. It's just amazing. I mean, it's seemingly yep. resilient to any sort of headwind. It's, just still on fire. But in 14 and 13, there was really a question mark around Austin, whether it was going to be the early 2000 bust version of tech that would yep, show up yep. there, or was this something for real? And we, we now know it, it certainly seems to be something much more real. And all the buildings I'd inherited, we bought them out of some distress. Um, mm -hmm. And there were law firms and lobbyists leaving behind wood paneling leaving downtown Austin to go to the birds. And I, I was just the the guy that had to asset manage and run the portfolio and make it perform. And and I'm looking around and I got to know uh, Capital Factory, which is one of the more well-known U.S.-based incubators out there for new companies. And it was very curious to me, Rick, we, you would study the life cycle of a company. You and I decide we want to start a company. We would go to a place like Capital Factory, find venture capital, get funded. And then my, you know, my observation was people quickly figured out I, I, I need to get out of this environment. It was great to get started, but I need my own my own place. And there wasn't a place for them to go. So I started wow. asking friends and I said, hey, and they, they would joke with me. They said, well, Mike, we're not ready for one of your big boy leases. <laughs> and and by that they meant what we you know you and i probably talk a little bit more about which is the problematic nature of commercial office as it still is today which is we only know how to do about one or two things and it's mostly long-term big leases that's that's yeah. how these things get financed and mm -hmm. that's but back in 14, you could kind of see okay something's not quite right here and so i asked these guys i said okay i get it but I like what you're doing. I hate that I'd lose track of you. Where are you going right now? And he goes, oh, we're signing leases and apartments. Oh. And I said, is that even legal? And he goes, I don't know. <laughs> just doing it. <laughs> and because there was that few of, there was just that limited of options. Around. There was nothing around. So we had an old club in one of the buildings right there in Congress. It's right near the state capitol. Mm -hmm. And I called our CEO at the time and I said, man, we should break this up. It's not been leased. I'm looking, it hasn't been leased in five or 10 years. So we're not getting any income. We should break this up into small suites. We should somehow figure out how to run it differently than the rest of the building, do short-term agreements with these guys so we don't lose track of them. And when they're ready to commit to, you know, something bigger and better, we'll be in a better place to do it. And we kind of laughed and said, yeah, we can't do that. And so we had a partner and they said, well, Mike, 
maybe we should go to New York. There's this new thing called co-working, this new group called WeWork. And it sounds like they do what you're describing. And that, and that was how it started. I, yeah. I didn't know the guy running around in the hoodie in this <laughs> building in New York we met was the guy in charge who they'd make a movie about someday. Yeah, wow. And we got done with that deal, Rick. And I remember I, I called our CEO again. I said, I've learned two things out of this. I said, one is I never want to do a deal with those guys again. <laughs> um, but two, this is a game changer. What What's going on? This may not, and I always told people, because I got a lot of questions after that. I said, WeWork might be MySpace and not Facebook, but they've kicked in the back door in an industry that really needed the back door kicked in. Yes. And they had the personality to do it. What made them really difficult to deal with also was the only kind of personality that could fight their way through a very entrenched industry. And that's great feedback. Can I ask you then, um, this is obviously embedded with uh, uh, innovation. What sort of importance do you lay on innovation in the, the work that you do and what, what part will it play in the future of your business? Yeah, I think, you know, innovation is such a all-encompassing word that's it's probably... very generic, isn't it? It is. And I think, you know, in some ways we've, and again, just my humble opinion, we probably overcomplicated and, you know, we, we, we want to see cars flying around and we think unless they are, then, then, then we haven't really so innovated. Yeah. And, and what I found, because I used to tell our team all the time and, and still is I would rather move forward with an 80% solution than sit around not ever moving, waiting for a hundred percent, which, yes. which I saw a lot and innovation to me. Sometimes it, it wasn't some gee whiz new technology. It might, a lot of what I was studying was what I call psychology. Yeah. In, in what we saw in COVID, I could see, I didn't know what it was. I didn't describe it, but you would just intuitively go, I'm, People are driving an hour or two one way on each end of the day, five days a week to get to this. Yeah, wow, yeah. <laughs> and and so you you know, so when we got done with WeWork, I started studying things like even as simple as a dentist office. Because there were just what is the hassle factor in life that makes everything, you know, more difficult? Well it's yep. You know, and what makes it difficult for a company? What truly makes productivity and efficiency a problem for a company? It's it's the things in life that if I'm coming to work five days a week, if I'm driving one or two hours a week, heaven forbid, I got to get out of the office twice a year to go get my teeth checked, which we all should be, you know, hopefully yeah, getting doing. teeth checked. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, it, it's time, it's travel, it's absence from family. It's all those things, isn't it? It is. And, and it's just generically, you know, so the next year we did one of the first food halls mm -hmm. in, in Texas and downtown Austin. And we used a, a very well now, just a super amazing architect for, for restaurants and stuff there locally. I remember he and I met in New York and we, we met at a food hall, which was awesome. It was, it was just a fascinating experience. And I remember we were sitting there and I, I said, okay, Michael, tell me how, you know, you design. He goes, you know, Mike, I, I view space as an emotional regulator. And I I said, I that sounds amazing. I'm going to use it over and over again. So I'm just going to come clean and what ask you, you to explain. What do you mean by it? 
And he said, no, he goes, look, it's simple. He goes, human beings put themselves in situ in spaces that best match their mood and their or their task. Yeah, wow. And he goes, I just want to build space that allows for that emotional regulator to be achieved. And and that's from that, you know, really between those two years, I just started chasing it down and I would, you know, you know, we did. He gave you your I, mission, I, didn't he? Yeah, no, he, and, it, and again, it was dentist and, it, and then, it, and then that started to bleed into, well, how are we operating? You know, mm. how are we operating these, these assets? I mean, what, cause I was running a team of about, oh, a hundred plus between Austin and we, we went through another merger and it became just Houston. Mm. And I realized, you know, half of it is the physical changes we make to the asset, but really it's the way in which we operate this. And then over time, and, and, and you can see it in, in some of my, my viewpoints in working is the idea that the office sector would outsource the most valuable future of the industry in terms of the WeWorks and stuff mm. to the WeWorks just made less and less sense. Yeah, of course. Be because you were giving up learning, you were giving up data, you were giving up pricing power in exchange for just not having to deal with the hassle. Well, the, well, the hassle is the bread and butter and the, the future core. of your entire industry. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's not hard to see, is it? It but it continues. I mean, I, you know, I, it's still up in the air, whether a platform and, and working just, you know, as a little bit of background, I left in 19, I was burnt out. I, I, I was COO. Uh, I really need to do a reset personally, but I also just realized, and I probably a lot of people on this call can realize, can appreciate this. I joked at the end that I spent so much time telling everybody and all the you know masters I was serving what I was doing, I actually didn't have time to do anything anymore. <laughs> yeah, the butter's too too thin on the bread, wasn't it? That's right. <laughs> and, and and I hadn't, you know, you talk about innovation. I realized I was probably four years removed from the WeWork. We'd done you know one of the first co-working deals in, mm -hmm. in Houston, which was even harder to do. Yep. And just getting all of those things through the apparatus and the approval levels and we were going through ownership changes and it, it was just unbelievable Painful. it was so challenging and and so i wanted to be able to step back i wanted to be able to think again i wanted to be able to talk and learn and and, and go chase down the people that i had the most you know respect for and, and that's what i did the fall of 19. yep and i still remember it was funny i was sitting in a coffee shop with um uh, Lisa Picard, who is is one of the more forward leaning, and that's being I'm, I'm understating it, mm -hmm. leaning people in the future of work space, and and so I remember she and I were just kind of trading notes, and this was December of nineteen, and I said, so what are you thinking about for next year? Because you know, Mike, I, I think two thousand twenty, I'm really going to spend a lot of time thinking about work from home, uh -huh. and I remember going, man, this. Nobody, I've never even, I mean, I've heard it, but I mean, nobody's talking about this. What, you know, I love it. What, what, what do you, and she goes, no, she goes, I just don't get it. She goes, we think the competition is the building like ours down the street. She goes, the competition is the computer in somebody's house when somebody figures out most of the work and get done there. Yes. Uh, now I wonder, I was going to ask you about that. 
in terms of the asset component to uh, working, um, I can see a future where you're providing that infrastructure as well inside of your, I guess, your offerings. Is that something that you're likely to do given the nature of COVID and how things are changing in terms of people's behaviour and work practices and thoughts around this topic? Yeah, I think that's right. I think the, the, the guy I ran into yesterday, he, you know, he was asking me what I was doing. I said, I'm really helping owners and operators, you know, figure out what works. It looks like going forward. Mm. He kind of laughed and he said, well, nobody knows that. Mm. And I go, no, no. I said, no, it's true. I said, I certainly don't claim to. I said, the good news for me is the owners and operators seem to know even less than I do. So, you know, there, there's, there's, there's something, <laughs> <Is that? laughs> something here for me to do. And he represents a lot of big enterprise users. He and I were on the other side of the table from a lot of deals. And I said, and your clients have no idea what's going on either. So, you know, we're all blind together. <laughs> and, and so I, you know, I think there's this notion and you see it a lot when I look online of all or nothing. Like we're all going to work from home and never go back to the office. Or we're all going to, you know, owners or employers are going to have their way and we're, we're going to just demand everybody come back. And that, that doesn't, the, the world's never that clean. And, and to me, and again, it's part of the reason there's hopefully a connection even between the book and, and things I wrote is the one thing I do know personally, and I just think through observation is humans don't do particularly well by themselves all the time. No. And community is of high value. Mm. And and even the even if it's three days a week, even if it's whatever you just have to give people a reason to come together. I think that, you know, that's, it's going to be about quality, not quantity. Mm. I think there have been productivity slips. I think, you know, whether you've got a dog, a kid or whatever, there are distractions that just make, you know, at times it difficult to work. But the, having just got back from Colorado and you could just feel and sense people are craving something different than they had before COVID and certainly something different than they they've had between that and now. Yeah. And so the, the, the world of office, uh, and I do a lot of white papers that you've probably seen on, on working generally are anchored around the necessary leadership within the industry to kind of help lift us through that transitional period. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack on that very topic alone, and it's certainly something I'm seeing locally where very close friends are having those conversations, so I appreciate your uh, your input on that. Now, if we can shift gears uh, once again and talk about your wonderful book, The Legacy Business. Now, where did this come from? Why did you choose the name? And did you enjoy writing it? No, oh, there's some good questions. And if I miss any, no, we can come back to it. <laughs> um, so it, it was birthed out of an experience I had. I, I was very, not everybody is, but I was very fortunate to have a gr grandparents and parents that just invested a lot in, into me. And, you know, I think like most of us, you probably, if you've been in that environment, underappreciate it until you get older. I mean, that's just the reality. Of it. And you, you yeah, definitely, really, once you have children, you know, you, you, most of us go running back to our parents and go, I'm so sorry. I, I had no idea. <laughs> you're such um, a, you're a superhero. <laughs> That's right. That's How right. did you do it? <laughs> you're, you're so smart again. That was so weird. They're sitting there like the border in the corner going, oh, I know. They, <laughs> they, they're enjoying every second of it. And, and so I, that moment for me was in 2004. I was on my way out of the army, mm -hmm. on my way to business school. My grandfather, uh, I was at his memorial service, so he had passed away. Mm -hmm. And 
room was packed. He was part of the greatest generation, just an amazing person. But, you know, he was my grandpa. I, you know, everybody thinks that was, it was just me. I, you know, it was, yep. it was me and my brother and my cousins. And the, the pastor in that setting asked that anybody that had been personally impacted by Paul, which is my grandfather's name, yep. to stand up. And the room, there was just people all around the room. And stood I thought, up. wow, it was so much more than just me. He just made all of us in this room feel like we were the only ones. And even though, you know, he was not a billionaire or, you know, any, any sort of huge bank account per se, I just remember sitting there on my way to business school going, this is the business I should want to be in. This is a, this is a legacy business that he has started. He has passed it on to my mother. She's passed it on to me with my dad Mm -hmm. and it's incumbent upon me to not lose sight of this. And so had that in the back of my mind, ran off to business school, got busy, was doing things as, as well as I knew and really trying to prioritize and do all those things. Um, similar experience. My dad, uh, had gotten cancer and he passed away in 2012. So it's very mm-hmm. similar setting and just had, it, it reminded me, you know, I thought, man, same thing, same impact. And when I left in 19, because, you know, in some ways I had lived out some of the things I said I wouldn't, <laughs> um, it sat there for a while. We all went through 20, you know, 20, we were, <laughs> I think I was just trying to chase my tail a little bit <laughs> and I got to the, the end of 20 and working had started, but it hadn't really taken off. My wife, who's always been a huge encourager, knew this idea was out there. And as, you know, good good wives and, and true serum speakers can, can do, she said, dude, you got to write this. I mean, you write this down. You'll never have a moment like you had. And so I did. And, and so the first three months of 21 just every night I get to the, you know, back of the room and I, I hammer out another chapter and it was just a unique window, Rick. I, I don't know that I've ever been in a zone, so to speak. Yep. Where I'm not saying I, you know, this is the most amazing work ever, but where I really was as focused on something as I was with that. Um, and it, you know, I, I called some friends that I'd written books and talked to them and it got a little smarter on the industry. It turns out the publishing industry is its own animal that I, I, I had no idea what I was getting into. <laughs> I, I got into that. You do now. Um, I, do, I do now. <laughs> but I but I realized I did enjoy writing, and I realized it's a great outlet, especially in today's world, for people at their own leisure and their own space to sit and and kind of digest what you're putting out. There's good feedback loops now, where you know, relatively quickly, you can kind of know look that really resonated with people or that didn't, which is you know, between the books a little slower, that's a different process. It kind of hides for a long time and then poof, it goes out at once. Whereas these, yep. you know, the white papers I do for working are on a, you know, every two to three week basis. So, so I can cool. get a little better, you know, feedback, but yeah, true. Uh, very, very appreciative for the window I had to be able to sit down and, and just get that down on paper while our girls were still at home. And yes, um, yep. Time it was good for everything. me. I needed it. Yeah, that's right. That's I right. think, uh, you know, that your partner, she's the multiplier, you know, she's the equalizer. She's made you take that step forward. So congratulations to her on actually, you know, poking the bear as it were to get that, <laughs> get that done. <laughs> yeah. And look, uh, um, absolutely. She, she was the, I, I joke with her cause she did the first edit as well. And then the publisher actually didn't have that many edits to make. And I told her, 
I said, man, I, I, you, you may have a future in this because uh, <laughs> our girl's paper in my book, you know, I, I, you, you may have a new gifting here. Yeah, look, I've absolutely loved this call, Mike. You share so much um, wisdom about your journey and things for everybody to be aware of and consider as they maybe start their own business or write their own book. And I really appreciate it, as do the My Future Business audience. Now, importantly, where are people going to go, uh, firstly, if they want to connect with you at working? And what is the process when they get there? And finally, where, if people want to get your book, will they get that? Yeah, absolutely. I'll start the the second question's easy. It's mm. Amazon's probably the one people know best. I I I'm about uh, I think knock on wood the, the audio is is about done. Oh. I don't consume it like that, but uh, one of the other neat experiences was um, a lot of people do it. A lot of people en- enjoy it in oh, the goodness. author's voice. So yeah. I I did the audio recording and and thankfully it's about ready to go out. So excellent. Um, I'll, I'll post that as well. But for now, Amazon is probably the easiest okay. yep. place to get it. Yep. And then and then working is, it's just www.working without the I. So W-O-R-K-N-G. N-G, yes. Uh, dot com. I, little side note, when I, you know, names and logos is always just a beast of an exercise to go through. <laughs> yes. And so I had a group that I was kind of bouncing these things off of. And um, I thought it would be kind of clever to call it reworked. But uh, apparently I was the only one that thought that was very funny. <laughs> um, so it's now working without the eye. I don't know which would have been harder to explain. That, that turns out working without the eye is a little harder than I, I thought it would be. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, I, people can, I try to make, you know, we use the word authentic and that website and try to have there's content on there i post all the white papers we we put uh people you know want to get a hold of me on on linkedin and different places my email and everything's very accessible it's just mfranson at working.com and and people have not been shy to find me and I, i always love getting those notes fantastic again i've loved this call if you're on this call today with us you've enjoyed what you've heard throughout the call so many things that we've just touched the surface on i've absolutely loved the call if you want to reach out to mike and his wonderful team you'll visit working without the i that's w-o-r-k-n-g.com i will be making sure that link's available to you no matter where you see this call you'll find that link back to working and again if you want to grab the copy of the book just visit amazon now with all that being said mike What a wonderful call. Thank you very much for joining me on the My Future Business Show today. Thank you so much, Rick. I appreciate it. It's been fun. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the call, then make sure to subscribe, leave a comment, share us with your friends, and book your spot on the show at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. And if you're looking for solutions that will help grow your business, then visit myfuturebusiness.com forward slash shop.